World's Finest Podcast, Episode 60. James Doe, and with me as always is Michael David Sims. Hello, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right, I guess. Um, my friend, I, told, I was telling you off the air, my friend and I are uh, writing a movie script right now, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's you know, it's really early in the process, but uh, my friend has a contact with a talent agency, and they want us to write this script, so we're going to see how far we can take it. Then I got school starting well, this will this will air on Wednesday, so Tuesday is my first day back at school. So I'm pretty busy right now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, Ian wanted me to see when we could record uh, Batman and Robin. <laughs> Good luck, just, my yeah. uh, my limey friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're going back to school. He's going back to school. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for all our listeners out there, I think you can expect our Batman and Robin coverage um, in about nine months. <laughs> But anyways, I think we have a bunch of emails. Should we just get straight into them? Sure. First one today is from a relatively new fan of ours named Valerie who writes, Hi, I'm 16 and I recently stumbled upon your podcast and I'm on episode 13. I have a question. I wanted to know about some of the books that you guys have spoken about. I think one was about the Joker before he became evil. and In other words, he had a wife who was having a baby. And I think James spoke about a book called Justice. And I also wanted to ask if Batman's son, Damien... Uh, comes into any of the series you guys are talking about. Keep up the good work. The book where you get a look at uh, the Joker's origin or a possible origin for the Joker, that's called The Killing Joke. Um, It was a one-shot, I think probably like 48 pages, maybe a little longer. Uh, DC just put out like a hardcover version of it that's been recolored, and it looks really good. I picked up. Yeah, how much did that cost? Like twenty five bucks, twenty bucks? Uh, I I want to say it was twenty. Okay, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. It, it, it looks really good in in the bigger size with with the new colors, but I think it's a little overpriced for what you're getting. And the Killing Joke itself has been reprinted a couple of times. You can generally find it on the cheap for a couple of bucks. So I'd go that route. But the hardcover still does look nice. I'm just saying, for me personally, it's a little overpriced. Uh, what yeah, else I mean, is in there? Because I know it's not just the story. Is there, like, scripts in there? What, what, I don't remember. I've seen it. I just don't remember what's in there. Oh, I don't remember. I mean, okay. I, I it's sitting on my shelf, like, all of my trade paperbacks and graphic novels and whatnot. And, um, I mean, I picked it up because, obviously, I didn't get the original back however many however many years ago it was when it came out. I didn't I didn't have a copy. And I, re- I just really wanted a copy of it for my collection. So that's really why I picked it up. I, I haven't um, – I mean, I read it, of course. I just haven't gotten into any of the extra stuff in the book. James, why don't you speak about Justice because I haven't read that at all. Okay. I, I know you've mentioned it in the past. I have. I mentioned it, but i got to be honest with you. I haven't read the second volume, and it has been so long since I read any of it. All I can really tell you is the villains all band together. Like, I mean, really, they, they band together, and they – they take advantage of some like 
I, I want to say like there's these mass nightmares going along where the heroes are apparently um, incapable of saving the world and the world ends like all these villains are having this this nightmare about the heroes not being able to save the universe or the world or something and so they all they all band together and you take this opportunity to really uh, you know really take it to the heroes and I think they succeed but that's if I'm wrong, I apologize. I think that's how it went. It's, like I said, it's been so long since I've read it, I I can't be certain. Okay, yeah, uh, we should note there's three volumes. Um, it ran for 12 issues, so each volume, I think, collects uh, four issues. Um, I don't know if they're all in paperback yet, but I know they're all out in hardcover. I believe they are in paperback now. But um, if you want to read the continuing adventures of Damien, pick up the ongoing series simply called Batman and Robin. It stars, well, Batman and Robin, but the twist on it is that Batman is much more lighthearted, where Robin is darker. And that's because Batman is now being... uh, what's the word I'm looking for, portrayed by Dick Grayson. Now that Bruce is dead, missing in a cave in the past, in the cave in, in an alternate world, wherever he is, um, uh, you know, he's, he's gone. So someone had to take up the mantle, and that's Dick. Well, Damien is now the new Robin. And since Damien's very grim and gritty, it's, it's odd, because we're getting, like I said, this grim and gritty Robin, which is something we're not used to seeing, and a very lighthearted Batman. It's a fun twist, uh... It's the the current storyline that's going on is being written by Grant Morrison. He's he's writing the whole thing. Uh, I know this is going. Uh, some people are suspecting twelve issues, but I've heard this is going to go for a couple of years. So he's on board for a while. But the current storyline is being uh, illustrated by Frank Quitely. Um, after that, I forget who's coming on to draw it. Oh, I can't remember. And it's, it's killing me. I'm literally hitting my head trying to remember, but I can't. But it's an awesome, awesome book. It's the first time in a very, very long time that I've been excited about a monthly Batman comic. So definitely pick up Batman and Robin. I believe there are only two issues in. The third one might be coming out very soon. It might have already hit the shelves, but go pick that up. Great book. Um, I believe Damien's also featured in the current Batman comic. Just Batman. Not Batman and Robin, just Batman. But I could be wrong. Um... I, that book may focus more on just Dick Grayson as Batman and Damien may be a non-factor. So, But there you go. Yes, and Valerie, and to everybody else, if you want current comic book information, you want to ask Mike, not me. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> just say it, because I don't have a lot of time for comic books and whatnot at, at the current time, shall we say. <laughs> well, For the aforementioned reasons. <laughs> to be fair, I am a little behind because... A lot of the comic reading I do nowadays, um, I'm doing only for the show. I'm not getting a lot of comic reading done just for myself. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I, I'm wait, waiting you mean, on... You, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mike. You mean <laughs> in all that free time you have, you don't have enough time to read comic books? For shame. Yeah, I know. It's like, I, I just have to learn to read in my sleep, you know? Because <laughs> that's my free time, pretty much. But, uh, what do you call it? So I'm waiting... I'm generally like four, five, six months behind because I wait for the trade on everything, whether I'm doing that for the waiting for the trade segment on Earth 2 at the show or I'm just waiting for the trade for my own personal enjoyment because the trades are less expensive. Let's be let's be quite honest about that. Um, So, you know, I'm I'm a little behind. I stay current by reading, you know, the news and getting the press releases and whatnot from the various companies. So, yeah, you can still come to me. But I may have to be like, you know, I'm not quite sure about that. So you can always go to the earth2.net forums, which is forums.earth-number2.net, 
and join them. And there's a lot of comic book discussions going on, a lot of discussions going on in general about movies, video games, just regular just conversations happening about anything and everything. So, yeah, go over to the forums, join them, and become a member of our community. Uh, one of the main reasons I'm pushing them right now is because um, I don't remember if it was a WFP listener or a bigger on the inside listener, but someone had just joined the forums and was like, yeah, I didn't even know there were forums. And it dawned on me that's because the only show where the forums are really, really, really pushed is Earth 2.net at the show. They get brought up on other podcasts, but it's never said, hey, go, go to them. Here's the link. You know, so there you go. Forums.earth-number2.net. Join the forums, please. All right. Next one is from Donovan, who writes, Dear James and Mike, I found your podcast over nine months ago thanks to interminable boredom one day at my college library. Wow, being bored in a college library, who would have thunk it? <laughs> and and I owe you two for getting me through the second half of that fall semester. I love the show, although I must say I find myself disagreeing with you guys, mainly Mike, as I feel you two tend to nitpick the plots a little too much. Uh, what? <laughs> Us nitpick? No way. The, the thing is that when we nitpick, we admit we're nitpicking, though. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, so, uh, you know, okay, take issue with the fact that we're nitpicking, but I would say 75% of the time we'll say, okay, this is a bit of a nitpick, but... <laughs> so, yeah. It's the okay. disclaimer. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. However, I must say that I really commend you two for your recent reviews of Static Shock. I have to say, I love Static Shock. It has its flaws, sure, and there are terrible episodes at times. Hoop Squad comes to mind. But on the whole, it's a favorite of mine. Just the concept of an amateur teenage superhero appeals to me, and I felt the show dealt with it in a fantastic way. Here, Virgil isn't Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, or Terry McGinnis in that he doesn't have someone to help him become a hero through training and instruction. He became one because he got powers and thought it was cool. That honest approach is uh, is what appeals to me, as well as Static being an honest black superhero who doesn't act obsessed over being black. He's not classic Luke Cage, if you know what I mean. A couple of things I want to mention. In the last episode, an emailer mentioned that originally Richie was intended to be gay in the show. I don't know if that was actually intended for the cartoon, but in the comics, Richie, Rick Stone, actually was homosexual, and Virgil had a tough time dealing with it once he found out. I think the guy in the last show may have had that confused, but just wanted to clear it up. Also, I know you guys didn't like the first Rubber Band Man episode, but I thought you might be interested to know that the scene where Static tricks Rubber Band Man with the pile of money and the line, Ancient Ninja Art of Misdirection, all you need is something some idiot can mistake you for, and some idiot, was taken straight from Static number 3. The episode was also written by Dwayne McDuffie, who, of course, created Static and created the show, as well as wrote some of the best episodes of JLU. Lastly, Dennis Cowan is the cover artist for Static 1. Sorry if this was too lengthy, and don't take my criticisms too seriously. I do very much enjoy the podcast. I can't wait for the next one to come out. One question. Will you start reviewing Justice League while doing Static since both aired at the same time? Your fan, Donovan. Uh, no, we will not. No. Um, the only reason we did Gotham Knights and Superman at the same time is because they crossed over several times. Yes, there is some crossover between Static and some of the Justice League characters, but I don't know. It doesn't feel like we need to cover them at the same time. It just would have been very weird if we were talking about Batman and the new Robin showing up in... Superman before we actually got to that in Batman, if you understand what I'm getting at there. So we had to do them at the same time. Next one is from Tim, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, news has hit the web that we will be getting a Superman complete series set and a Justice League JLU seri uh, complete series set. What are your opinions on this? Personally, it pisses me off when uh, when the price is reasonable enough to get the sets, 
The Justice League set is a steal. In this day and age, I can't afford to drop the cash on these when, once again, all we get is one more disc with one bonus feature. In my opinion, they should just release the rest of Zeta and all of Static. Despite uh, the somewhat crappiness, all of the DCAU should be out there. In other superhero DVD news, Marvel has made a deal with Disney, and since X-Men and Spider-Man currently air on Disney XD, they are, being, uh, they are releasing Spider-Man and X-Men the Animated Series. X-Men Volumes 3 and 4 are being released with the Spider-Man sets, and I'm really stoked for these. But if they're going to go the DC uh, the DC route, uh, should I wait till we get a complete series set? I really want the X-Men one, but if they're going to be re-released in a series compilation, is it worth the wait? I guess this is kind of uh, similar to the trade paperback argument. Um, also, the X-Men DVDs are jumbled up and are in air date, not production order. I definitely need these, but should I get them now or should I wait? I'm conflicted. Please help. Okay, here's my stance on this. If you already own the stuff, like let's say the Justice League DVDs, there's no need to go out and buy the season sets if they're not really giving you any extra features. If there were new commentaries or um, if they did like a brand new episode that was exclusive to that set, then go out and buy it. But otherwise, just just don't get it, obviously. There's, there's just no sense. But if you don't own that stuff, and this goes for the Justice League, for Superman, and for the X-Men and Spider-Man stuff, then I would say if you know there's going to be a complete series set, just wait for that. Just get it in one nice, neat little package. You might have to wait a little longer sometimes, but that that's my opinion. What about you, James? I agree. I mean, the only reason I would ever, you know, re-buy uh, all of the, the DCAU cartoons, because I've got all of Superman and Batman and Justice League and whatever, is if they had commentary for every episode right like like the simpsons uh season sets that i was buying for the mm-hmm. for a time there you know they have commentary for every episode and if they ever did that for all the dcu cartoons i would be first in line to buy them i i really would because i would be interested to hear what they had to say for every single episode but i know that's logistically impossible because these guys schedules are just too damn busy all right, next one is from Frank, who writes, Dear Mike and James, this is my first email to you ever, and I want to tell you I've listened to WFP from Episode 1. Very awesome show. I've loved Batman since I was a little boy, and I also love Earth2.net, the show, and I love uh, to hear what books you read and recommend. And I also listen to the Mike and Nikki show. Keep up the good work. My question to you is, what are trade paperback books, and what Batman books do you recommend? I have a recommendation for you, if you don't mind. You should read Batman No Man's Land. I have it in hardback, and I've read it three times now. Thank you for your time and recommendations. If I'm interpreting the first question right, and pardon me if I'm not, a trade paperback is simply a soft cover collection of several comic books, be it three, four, five, six, or more. That's it. It's it's you know you got like like you got the hardcover collection of uh, No Man's Land. Same thing. Just imagine it in paperback. That's all a trade paperback is. A lot of people call it a graphic novel. I'm kind of snotty about it, and I hate the term graphic novel because <laughs> I have to be very careful about that on WFP. I <laughs> yeah, you did it about ten minutes ago, and I didn't call you on it. I said I have a collection of graphic novels and trade paperbacks. That's what I remember saying that. Mm, okay, okay. You're okay. I think you're right with that, yeah. Okay, see, graphic, a graphic novel is a very specific thing. A graphic novel is an original comic book that was created for that hardcover form. That's what a graphic novel is. If you take a series of comics and then collect them, that is a collection, either a trade paperback, if it's a paperback, or a hardcover collection. And I just don't like that term graphic novel when it's used incorrectly. So that's just me 
I, I know I'm in the minority there. <laughs> I know I get very snotty about it sometimes. I'm trying not to get on my soapbox here. I'm really not. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, so that's some trade paperbacks. Uh, Batman books we recommend. Uh, the Killing Joke was mentioned earlier. In any way you can find it, you know, in, in a back issue bin, or really if you want to drop the cash on the hardcover. Um, what, are, what are some you would recommend, James? Now Mike's going to disagree with me. Via I know. I know. I know what you're going to say already. I'm, yeah. I, I'm yeah, you do. I, I love the the long Halloween. I know you hate it, and I I, I understand why you do. I respect why you do it. Uh-huh. But I I generally I, I just love it. I love the story of Two Face's origin and and all that. So I recommend that one. But I know I'm I'm in the minority of liking Jeff Loeb. <laughs> so. Hmm. That's that's I just have to live with that on the forums, really. Yeah. Um, another one I like No Man's Land a lot. It went on forever and ever, and I understand why people hate it. But <laughs> again, I liked it. Let's see what else I liked. Uh, Bruce uh, Bruce Wayne Fugitive, and it's uh, and it's precursor uh, Bruce Wayne Murderer. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to think what else off the top of my head. I don't, I don't. If I was in my room right now, I'd be able to look over at my shelf and say, Oh, I like that. Oh, I like <laughs> that. But as such, I'm not so. I'll just go with those uh, three for right now. Okay, um, I want to add an Under the Hood, which saw the return of Jason Todd. Uh, there's two trade paperbacks there. Um, I wouldn't personally recommend the one I'm about to say, but I know a lot of people would, and that's Hush. Um, I'm, it's, again, written by Jeff Loeb. It's drawn by Jim Lee, so it looks great. But I'm not a super fan of that. But you might want to check it out. Again, two volumes there. Um, a Death in the Family. Uh, that was the death of Jason Todd. So we get a death in the family, get a lonely place of dying, and the un- and the two under the hood books. Get those four, and you've got this whole complete story about Jason Todd. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any really good Elseworld Batman stories that I would recommend. Um, and Elseworlds is like a what if type story that takes place on an alternate world. I only own one. I think it's Holy Terror. I haven't, but I haven't even read it yet, so I can't tell you if it's good or not. And you know what? If my headphones were long enough, if the cord was long enough, I'd walk over to my shelf and look and see what I'm forgetting. Because I know there's a couple where after we're done recording, I'm going to smack my head and go, oh, yeah, what about this and what about that? Um, But, yeah, there's some recommendations just off the top of my head or off the top of our heads, I should say. I I know I'm forgetting some. Oh, uh, yeah. One I I read recently, a story was uh, Rules of Engagement with uh, it's I think it takes place early in Batman's career, shall we say he. And he's, he has to go up against Lex Luthor. And anytime those two have to butt heads, it's almost always really, really good. They're both such brilliant strategists. They really play off each other well. Um, I wish Mar- Marvel, woo DC, uh, would actually have them butt heads uh, more often. Um, and I just realized the listeners are probably screaming at us. Uh, year One and The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> How did we forget those? Um, I've always said, <laughs> I've always said I prefer Year One over The Dark Knight Returns, uh, but they're companion pieces, so get both of them. So there you go. That's, that's a really good start for you in terms of Batman books. And finally today is from Graham, who writes, Hey, Mike and James, just wanted to swing another email by you. Did either of you see the episode of Batman the Brave and the Bold enter the Outsiders? In it, Batman and Wildcat team up to fight a villainous gang, uh, a villainous new gang of three young people that call themselves the Outsiders. These three would eventually become the popular Outsider superhero team, but at this time they are criminals that destroy malls. These Outsiders are made up of Metamorpho, Katana, and a person named Black Lightning. 
Black Lightning is, of course, a young African-American man that has electrical powers, and aren't you reviewing a show with such a similar character? The voice actor who did Black Lightning is named Bumper Robinson, who also did many voices in Static Shock, including Fat Out, I mean, uh, Slipstring, you know, from that awful episode that somehow was chosen to go after Sons of the Fathers. And in Batman the Brave and the Bold, Metamorpho has a very different cartoon appearance than he had in Justice League. In one part of the episode, Batman and Wildcat try to stop the Outsiders, uh, and after fighting with Wildcat, Metamorpho turns into water. Black Lightning then bolts the puddle of water that is Metamorpho, and that Batman and Wildcat are standing over, and then Batman and Wildcat receive a, uh, receive a shock to the system. After that, the Outsiders get away, so Batman goes after them uh, when he finally no longer has shocked his system. But Wildcat, being old, wasn't able to get up right away, so Batman left him behind. Once the Outsiders entered some subway station, Batman turns his Batmobile into a big and cool motorcycle, kind of like how he did in The Dark Knight. But right before this, when Wildcat, on his motorcycle, catching up to Batman, he yells out to Batman, Don't look so surprised. It's going to take a little more than some static shock to blow this old man down. (laughs) Not sure if that was supposed to be some type of homage or reference or something, but the episode is great, and Wildcat is way cooler than he was in JLU. (laughs) Thanks, and continue the awesome WFP episodes, which shouldn't be so hard, because you guys are the best podcasters ever. (laughs) Thank you. I have seen that episode. James, have you seen that one? That was a pretty early one. Oh, man, I haven't seen an, uh, an episode of Brave and the Bold in months. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, like I was saying, that, that was a pretty early one. But, yeah, I saw it. The references went over my head. But it should be said that Black Lightning predates uh, Static by oh, yes. decades. I think Black yes. Lightning debuted in the 70s, and Static was created in the 90s. So, yeah, maybe the references were put into that episode of Brave and the Bold to pay homage to Static. But, if anything, Static is a homage i would say to black lightning so um uh so that was it for the emails right yes okay i want to say uh we received several more emails that we didn't read on the air because they all mentioned the same thing and i just wanted to address them all in one big lump and that's um james and i we kind of fucked up and we didn't notice something something we said uh (laughs) it was said i believe i said it uh, that Robin looked older in the episode of Static Shock that uh, we reviewed in episode 59. What was that? The Big Leagues, right? Right. And that seems to contradict the flashback sequence in um, Return of the Joker, where he is still on model from Gotham Knights. Right. So there's a little discontinuity there. Um, there were discussions about this going on at the forums. I was emailing people back and forth as the emails were coming in. Um, so yeah, um, it kind of screws with the timeline a little because I still hold firm that Robin is supposed to be older in that episode of Static Shock. But then when you consider the flashback in Return of the Joker, how can he still look as young as he did in Gotham Knights? I mean, this isn't the first time Static Shock has fucked up the continuity stream. Right. I mean, Clark Kent has a day job. So, yeah, I I know when we were talking about it, I completely forgot about Return of the Joker and Robin couldn't look older, uh, but there he was looking older. So you just have to say, maybe Robin wasn't older, he was just off-model, and that episode of Static then, of course, takes place before Robin was abducted by the Joker, made, uh, what was his name, Little J., And uh, then his career, of course, ended shortly thereafter. So, yeah, I just wanted to clear that up because we got a lot of emails about that. (laughs) Stay close. Any closer, we'd be wearing the same pair of pants. 
Okay, Sharon, what's up? Why are you hanging on me like this? Because, Virgil, I know the truth. I know that you're static. <coughs> now, what makes you say that? Static looks like you, static talks like you, and the other night I saw him flying right into our neighborhood. That's all just coincidence. Then how do you explain this? I found it in your room. I heard Richie's voice coming out of it, and he was saying, static, static. Oh, that, well, no, <laughs> see, this is just an old walkie-talkie Richie and I are trying to fix. And he was probably complaining about the static, you know, the all that. Well, okay, Virgil, you play it your way. But sooner or later, you're going to change into static, and I intend to be right there when you do. First up today is Brother-Sister Act. And truthfully, there really isn't uh, a deep summary needed for this episode because every act is the exact same thing. Yeah. All, all you really need to know is Sharon figures out that Virgil is static, and there's these two new bang babies named Boom and Mirage. Boom is a stocky black guy, and he has... I shit you not, a huge speaker in his chest. And his power is to emit destructive sound waves from it, a la Black Canary, only it's completely stupid and makes no sense whatsoever. Um, Mirage is Boom's sister, and she creates... Wait for it. Wait for it. Mirages... No! Yes! <laughs> that she uses to trick people and help in her brother's getaways. Um... You know, but she has a conscience, and she doesn't want to commit any of these crimes that Boom is so ardent about. But she's basically forced to, because she's just the little sister, and he's this big hulking goon, really. So, I mean, what's she going to do? And, really, the, if this just goes on, the, the whole Static and Sharon back-and-forth thing keeps happening. The Boom, Boom and Mirage keep do, going all over the place, tearing shit up. And the episode ends with Static helping Mirage overcome her brother's influence and defeat him and he also manages to get sharon to stop with you know the whole hounding him about static him being static with uh, mirage's help she ends up creating an image of static flying off into the distance while virgil is standing right in front of sharon and that's that's it you know what i'm gonna say despite the fact that there's no real deep story i kind of like this one yeah i mean it, it didn't it, it wasn't bad or anything no no um i like the fact that uh virgil's sister is wisening up to the fact that this young black guy with dreadlocks that has her brother's voice, her brother also being a young black man with dreadlocks, uh, you know, is could be one and the same. You know, I, I liked it. And it didn't feel forced. She was just slowly figuring it out. You know, Virgil's uh, static charged the plate. And when she picked yeah. it up, it shocked her and she dropped it. She was like, hmm. And then, uh, what was the next thing that happened after the, oh, he said that's so Y2K, meaning so last year. Mm -hmm. And then she hears Static say it on TV, and she's like, holy shit. And then she sees Static fly into the neighborhood and disappear around about their house. And she sees Virgil close the window. It was a very natural progression of her figuring it out. And I'm like, that is good. That is really good. It wasn't just she had one clue and all of a sudden she knew. Sort of like that one episode with uh, the kid who similarly could create the mirages and his brother figured it out in a heartbeat. Like, oh my God, this is your power. Here's me expositionalizing, yeah. you know. It was <laughs> nothing like that. That was a very natural build. I liked it. I really did. Uh, I agree. I think, you know, Boom is a, a character, though, that makes no sense whatsoever. I 
I don't understand how a mutagenic nerve gas causes a very likely inorganic metal speaker to form in the guy's chest. No, wait a minute, and, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> You're willing to accept people having electric powers, create mirages, becoming mutants and living shadows and guys that can throw flames, but you're not willing to accept some sort of organic fan in the chest. Just so we're I clear. Say, I say it's probably inorganic metal that just okay. comes out of nowhere. I mean, how does a nerve gas cause metal to appear? That's what I'm <laughs> that's what I can't get my head around here. Okay, okay. That uh, everything else uh, I'll buy. Yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> No, it's just, I always find it funny what fans of comic books or science fiction or whatever are willing and not willing to accept. I'm willing to accept that a man can fly, but I'm not willing to accept that he can do X, Y, and Z. I just, I just, I just always get a chuckle out of it. I was just taking the piss out of you. Sorry. Yeah. So what? Okay. Okay. It's, 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 it's you know, nah, whatever. I know. But, and I love how he, he's able to produce these ultra destructive, intense sound waves that somehow don't affect him, even yeah. though he's generating them. Yeah. I want to know why Mirage calls herself a freak. She's not the one that has to live with a huge fuck-off speaker in her chest the rest of her life. Yeah, I mean, she, you know, no one would ever know. You know, she's one of the lucky bang babies, like Virgil. You know, no one would ever know what was going on. But the second Boom gets naked with a girl or a guy, if he swings that way, they're going to be like, what is with this speaker in your chest, dude? Come on. you know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, here's another thing I have to ask. How did Static ball up that metal and glass to trap Boom at the end of the episode? I mean, I'm just, wouldn't the glass or acrylic or whatever the fuck that is have shattered when he balled it up? That was literally the next note I had looked at. You know, one, as you said, when he balled it up, whatever that was should have shattered. But let's say for whatever reason, it didn't shatter. You know, the second Boom started using his powers, the whole structure should have came apart. We've seen him ripping down tons of shit with his power. And now all of a sudden it's ricocheting? It's not some sort of, like, echo chamber or something. You know what I mean? It was it was just a ball made of metal and glass or acrylic or whatever. Yeah, I, I did not understand how that jail, in quotes, contained him in the slightest. Very odd. Very odd for me. Yeah. And another question, you know... Static didn't short out when he went in the rain. Well, you mean the, under the sprinklers? Was, was it raining too? I thought it was raining. Well, are you talking at the? Because he set off the sprinklers at the basketball court. Right. Was it? Was but, there another part where it was raining too? I think earlier he was out in the rain. Oh, okay. Well, either way, there's okay. There's at least one, but possibly two points in the story where yeah, he doesn't short out while going through water. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering, did, did his powers evolve or something? Well. I, Maybe it has to be, like, a big blast of water, like getting hit with a hose or falling in a pond. And, like, little droplets of water don't affect him, thus answering our question about how does he drink, how does he sweat, how does he shower. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it just has to be this big, concentrated blast. I don't know. I don't know. You know, them being inconsistent with what affects his powers is, is nothing new. It shouldn't surprise us at this point. That's true. That's yeah. true. When it comes to the end of the episode... Okay, like I said, I praised how they built up uh, Sharon figuring out that her brother was static. And then at the end, having seen that this little girl can create imaginary duplicates, I believe she saw that power used. She's just all of a sudden willing to accept that her brother's standing here and static's flying through the sky. 
she bought into it way too easily for my liking. It's yep. after, after being so adamant. I mean, she knew. She didn't think she knew. She knew. She was 100% certain. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, I was wrong. And then she just saunters off. Like, no, this, this girl creates mirages. You just saw it, you know? <laughs> that, that was a bit bothersome. It was a little too, oh, my God, we have 20 seconds left. Let's wrap this up. And, yeah. frankly, you can see how the episode's going to end, like, halfway through when Static makes friends with Mirage when she's in the hospital. I, I was watching this. I'm like, oh, he's going to befriend her by the end. She's going to create an imaginary Static for Sharon to see. And the day is saved for Static and Virgil. Yay. Um, I did like uh, something they were exploring in this one, and it's something they've kind of explored in the past, too. That's that the mutagenic gas um, affects these bang babies, not just uh, their physical form, but their mental state as well. You know, uh, they've, they've said, they've hinted in the past, it's like, why are a lot of these bang babies bad? You know, are they just corrupted by the power, or is there something else? And in this one, Virgil is talking to Mirage, and he's like, look, your your brother's sick. This gas has affected him. And I like that. I like that it's not just everybody gets the power and they go bad. It's like, no, they're going bad because they're kind of losing their mind. It's You can say it's degenerating their neural pathways or something. You know what I'm saying? And it's just making the them... Case, I'm sorry. In the case of F-Stop, it does absolutely nothing but... Because <laughs> he's already a douche. Right, exactly. No, some of them are already douchebags, and they're just going to be bigger douchebags. But there's other people where it's like, you know, you, you just can't buy everybody being a bad guy because of this gas, unless they set this up. And I thought they did a good job doing that. I locked it. You stay here, and I'll lead him away. Wait a second. That ferret guy was sniffing you out last night, wasn't he? Why? It's a long story, very long. He's locked in hide. You hear that, Static? We're gonna pull your plug. Static? Remember what you said about living a double life? Let's just say I can really relate. I see. Next up is Static Shack. In this one, it turns out that Pops is a long-time friend with Shaquille O'Neal. Woo! And yeah, right. <laughs> and Shaquille O'Neal is in Dakota for some. Uh, publicity something or other and uh you know he's introduced to virgil and virgil's all like hey let's go play some horse or something and shack's like hey that's awesome but uh they can't do it because shack's uh publicist manager agent handler whatever is uh very overbearing oh not overbearing but m micromanages everything like shack can't take a crap without her scheduling it and uh so uh, Shaq says, sorry, we can't have that basketball game right now, but why don't you come to this private dinner I'm having later on at my hotel room? So uh, Virgil shows up with uh, his father, his sister, and Richie tags along. And uh, Virgil's, like, really peeved that Richie came along. And uh, when, they, when they get there, it turns out it's not a private dinner at all. It got turned into this big affair, again, because of Shaq's publicist, handler, whatever. Um... And uh, while all this is going on, uh, Static has a run-in with the kangaroo guy, the ferret mule guy, and uh, some new guy called Hyde, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, what happens there 
is uh, they're breaking into like basically I think like MTV or something, and they start hassling a band, and uh, they they steal the band's guitars for like no good reason. They're just taking their guitars, and uh, during that fight, Hyde rips Static's coat. And uh, he hangs on to this. And uh, so later on, when Virgil is at this party, uh, they track him there. They they make the mule ferret guy sniff it out, and they track him there. And uh, they're sniffing around the place trying to find Static. And uh, the, the ferret guy uh, comes upon Virgil, and he's like, hey, this is Static. Uh, a ruckus ensues. Uh, everybody is able to get away. Uh, 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 Virgil, Richie, his dad, his sister, and Shaq, uh, not the publicist though, all get into an elevator. They're heading down. Hyde is able to start pulling it back up. Uh, Virgil covertly, uh, electrifies the elevator so Hyde gets shocked. Uh, they are able to take the elevator to the ground floor. They get into Shaq's limo. They all go back to the, the Hawkins place, uh, where Shaq spends the night. And from there, they, the next morning, they have another run in with this gang. Uh, and, uh, when Shaq and Virgil are holed up in, like, the old rundown community center, Virgil has to admit, I am static. So, yeah, well, Shaq's like, okay, you go out of here, you change, and I'll handle these guys for the, for the time being. Uh, Shaq holds his own, but he ends up getting beat up. Uh, static returns, and Shaq and Static team up to take down the gang. And at the end of the day, uh, Shaq in front of some cameras, you know, just basically says, hey, I had a great time here in Dakota, blah, 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 the end. So, there we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> rant away, sir, because I know you want to. All right, look. It, it, th- this episode is Scooby-Doo Where Are You meets Static Shock. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I know exactly what this episode was intended to do. It was, you know, it's obviously just, like, goofy fun for the kids. Right. You know, they see Shaq as a cartoon character, and it's all, yay, and whatnot. But... To our loyal fan base of WFP, and to the younger generation out there, need I remind you of Shaq's other non-basketball-related contributions to pop culture? (laughs) You know, Shaq-Fu and Kazam? (laughs) If you don't know about these atrocities, do some research. You'll thank yourself for having never heard of them until now. But anyway, getting back to this Travis... Hang on, hang on. We're a DC-related podcast. We've got to mention Steel. Gotta mention Steel. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. That, yeah. that too. I uh-huh. I had forgotten. Oh, well, there you go. Now you remember. <laughs> uh, oh my God! I hate you. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. But anyway, um, yeah. This this episode is so fucking dumb. Seventy five percent of the time, that didn't even sound remotely like Shaquille O'Neal. His voice had to have been altered because. Yeah. It's so deep. He has a very, very, very deep voice, and yeah. that didn't sound like him at all. No. So I'm guaranteeing that they, the sound editors did something to his voice after recording. Um, and the dialogue in this episode is just legendarily awful, <laughs> as is the animation. Um, I don't even... After that, I really don't even know where to, to start with... <laughs> Where to start? Where to start? (laughs) As if you haven't already. (laughs) I mean, 
just, this is just I was just getting the big. I was just taking the big points. You know, that nothing here makes sense, and it looks ugly, and the dialogue is terrible. Those are the big things. Now I, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go into getting into the nitty gritty. You know. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> I, um, okay. I guess the first thing is I have to ask: Do wolves make their homes in Dakota? What the fuck was that thing wandering the street? I couldn't tell, like, at first if it was a panther or, and then maybe a coyote or maybe a fucking wolverine. I don't even know what the hell that thing was. I don't even it, remember what you're talking about. When? Okay. The, you remember the gang was kind of walking along the street trying to track static at some point. Before they do, they, there's this animal that just walks across the street, and it does not look like any kind of domesticated animal that you would ever see in a city. Holy I shit. I don't remember that was, at all. I, I swear. Seriously, you have, I know this episode sucks, but you have to go back and look at that. It's just so weird. It's just, what is that thing? I, I'm definitely, when I go back to get the sound clips that I drop into the episode, I will look for that because I do not remember it all. All right. Um, uh, let's see. Next on my list. Why is Shaq wearing a trench coat at a formal get together? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, it's, it's like he just walked in off the streets for a horrendous rainstorm. <laughs> I think one of my, uh, this is kind of a recurring problem with the episode. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal, I guess his name in this episode should have been Diesel P.I. Because he's, he, like, when did he become a detective? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Shaq is dumb or anything, but he's putting things together way too quickly and uh, conveniently. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he he figures out that these guys are tracking you, tracking you, Virgil, you. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the ferret sniffs Shaq, and then later on Shaq's like, hey, he was sniffing you, too. Like, like I'm sure he sniffed other people's asses, too, man, but that doesn't mean they're static. Like, come on, you know? <laughs> um, and I know, uh, speaking of recurring weirdnesses with this episode, you know, did you notice that Australian pseudo rap every time Kangor showed up? You know the big footed, yeah, Australian guy, it's like this bonga danga danga bonga danga shit. Yeah, it's just the weirdest thing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> he has late... his own theme music. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's he's some crap villain. He's not even like uh, what's his name, the the, Ebon, the shadow guy, Ebon or F Stop. You know, he's a nobody villain, and they give him his own theme. There's an episode later on. Let me see if I can remember which one it is uh i think it's the last one we're covering i don't know it's one of the ones we're covering where i was noting that the music was crap and it's like in all of these the music is just bad and i've, I've mentioned that since the second season began mm-hmm. it's it's just something happened musically where it just went like okay not that the music in the first season aesthetic was great but it took this weird downwards turn it's very very terrible stuff they're turning out let's see what next? Oh, oh my sweet, merciful Jesus. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal can do Olympic-level gymnastics, <laughs> but he can't make a free throw. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Yeah. If Shaquille O'Neal ever attempted anything like what he did in that old rundown, um, what was it, the community center uh-huh. place, not only would he die, he'd probably die three or four times <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my, I, I, just thinking about that right now, of him doing, like, parallel bar gymnastics on that girder is just it's giving me a headache almost <laughs> god uh, mike do you have anything to say I'm, I'm i'm starting to lose my mind here i don't dislike this one <laughs> <laughs> 
going uh-huh. in, I knew this was going to be just flat out stupid. I just knew. <laughs> so I just. I did too. I and just it didn't disappoint. <laughs> True, true. I just, I, I just went in accepting that it was an episode with Shaquille O'Neal and it was not going to be good. And I sort of watched it and I was like, I kind of had a little fun with this one. I mean, it's filled with flaws, absolutely filled with flaws and horrible puns. Yeah, yeah. But I'm like, I, I can kind of let him go. I really can. <laughs> I can't. Not I. I. <laughs> I can't counter any of the things you're saying. I'll gladly agree with everything you're saying, but at the same time, I'm like, it was. I think it's because it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I'm like, hey, there's a couple of bonus points for it. It wasn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm over here thinking, you know, if this one was this bad, how bad is Hoop Squad going to yeah. be? <laughs> Yeah. Everybody keeps telling us about that one, and we haven't even watched that one yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say, though, something you didn't point out uh, in the form of a negative is in the beginning when Static is uh, fighting the gang in the, in the TV studio, we see that Hyde is really strong, right? He's punching through shit, and you know he's, he's not super strong like the Hulk, but he does definitely have increased strength. I mean, later on, we see him pulling up that elevator by the cable. Well, at one point... Static knocks them into, like, you know, a studio. And then he, quote-unquote, magnetizes the door, and Hyde can't punch through it. So this guy who can lift an elevator with uh, five people in him, one of them, which is Shaquille O'Neal, who weighs well over 300 pounds, Pops easily is weighing 250, if not more. Then you've got the kids in there adding another couple of hundred pounds. So if this guy can pull this elevator up, by the cable. Why can't he punch through the door? Oh, because it's magnetized. Bullshit. Then why not punch through the paper-thin fucking walls? It's a goddamn studio. He's sitting there <laughs> pounding at it like, oh, no, we're stuck. No, no. And then kangaroo guy is like, dude, um, and he just taps the floor, and they escape that way through the through the hole he made. But I'm like, it's, it's, a, it's a studio wall. Just it's it's cardboard, you know. <laughs> I didn't even think about. That. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like this oh is stupid. God. And how does Static magnetize a wood door? Okay, he magnetizes the lock and the hinges, sure, but it's still a wooden door. Again, what is the deal with his powers? We're gonna see this in another episode, the, the Sunspots one, where paper and books are being drawn to him. Like, why? There's unless that's a spiral bound notebook or it's a comic book with some staples in it there's no metal in paper why is it sticking to him same thing here what is the deal with static's powers you know they try to set it up real early on that he can only affect metal and then all of a sudden he's flinging around just everything that he can and he's affecting whatever is nearby whatever they need him to so yeah yeah remember when i said this episode was scooby-doo meets static shock yeah the the publicist busted out jinkies yeah 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 i noticed that too there's a part That's of me that, cemented, I believe. yeah there's a part of me that wondered if the voice actress was uh velma or something but i'm like no it wasn't it wasn't but they probably realized what they were doing by making this a scooby-doo episode yeah which means i should be hating on this one more than i already am <laughs> yes you should sir <laughs> and i have to ask a question okay uh-huh. Virgil is 15 years old, obviously likes basketball, because in the previous episode, his sister took him to a local basketball game. Uh So he likes basketball. So Pops 
never, ever mentioned knowing Shaquille O'Neal since he was younger than Static? <laughs> wow, Just, you're right. All of a sudden, one day, oh, by the way, I know Shaquille O'Neal. No shit, really. You couldn't have mentioned this, I don't know, in the 16 years Eight of years my life. Ago? Yeah, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, how does that not come uh, up? You know? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Another one I, I probably should have thought about, but <laughs> wow. Oh, and was it just me, or did Ferret imply that those two, or at least one of the musicians was high? I don't know. He, what did he say? Okay, I forget who he was talking to. I don't remember if it was the kangaroo guy or Hyde, but uh, someone says, are they in there? And Ferret says, yeah, and one of them smells funky. And then we just see the, the two guitarists just sitting there, chilling out, practicing on their guitars. I'm like, I think one of them just smoked up, and that's what they were getting at there. That's very possible. It could be he was trying to imply that they were just dirty, but it's like, no, I think they were implying something else. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Virgil will tell Shaquille O'Neal, a guy who is seen by literally millions upon millions of people on a daily basis, and who has one of the biggest chatterboxes in history as his publicist, his secret identity, but not his own sister. Yeah. What the fuck? To Virgil's credit, they I mean, they yeah, were pounding I, on the door saying, Static, we know you're in there, and Shaq turned to Virgil, and Virgil was like, uh, he was kind of stuck, literally and right. figuratively. Yeah. He had no choice. But still, he could have been like, no, I gotta run, and then come back as Static. But I, I know what you're saying there. I agree wholeheartedly, yeah. I really don't have anything else to say here. I think I've exhausted all my rants. <laughs> I want to know how Virgil changed into his static gear. Because what we clearly see is static, or Virgil, waking up in the morning. He's putting on clothes, so we see he doesn't have his costume on underneath. He goes downstairs, sees uh, Shaq eating pancakes... They then go and decide to play horse at the basketball court, but uh, then they, you know, as they're playing, they see the gang coming, and that's when they run into the old rec center. That's that's uh, one long string of events. There's at no point where Virgil would have thrown his static costume on underneath his regular clothes, and as we've seen, he doesn't even do it that way. He carries it in his backpack. Okay, uh -huh. which he didn't have with him. So then they get stuck in the gym, and Shaq's like, okay, go change, or go get us help, I think is what he says. You know, and wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Virgil then runs into the other room, and like two minutes later comes back as, as Static. So did he run all the way home, grab his costume, and fly back as Static, or did he change in the other room? Well, I have to believe he changed in the other room, but how the hell did that happen? Don't know. It just, it, it, I saw that, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense at all. None. Call it a nitpick, if you will. Hey, see what I did there? Oh, but I, I, I don't think it is. I mean, like I said, if they had showed us in the past that he wore his costume underneath, that'd be fine. But even then, maybe I'd have a problem with it. Because, again, we saw him pretty much just in his boxer shorts coming down the stairs as he was putting other clothes on. So, yeah, that, that, that really did bother me. I wish he just would have came back in a makeshift costume, you know? But. Yeah, with just a cardboard mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something. Hey, Spider-Man's done it. I know this face. Maureen Connor. She used to come to the church for meals, but I haven't seen her in more than a year. Right after the Big Bang happened. What do you know about her? Her mother died a few years ago. Her stepfather wanted nothing to do with her. Before long, she ended up on the street. That's gotta mess with your head. I'm afraid it has. And sorry to say, she's fairly typical. 
Nearly half of all homeless people suffer from some type of mental illness. I'm not a social worker. How can I help someone like that? When you find her, try to remember this. She's not some faceless category, the homeless. She's a person like you and me, a person in pain. Next up is Frozen Out. In this one, Static is do- out doing his thing, and he ends up being late to a Hanukkah party at Frida's house, and when he finally gets there, the power goes out. Um, Richie ends up having a psychic revelation and immediately knows that this is a strange occurrence, which has never happened before in the history of forever, and tells Virgil to go check it out. In fact, it is a strange scene when he gets to the power grid. Thank you, Richie. Um, a mountain of ice has covered the entire building, so Static defrosts it, but he ends up draining himself in the process. Now, at this point, huge uh, stalagmites or stalactites, whatever the proper term is, of ice start flying out of the sky all around Static. And when it stops, he's wondering who the hell is doing this, only to see a little girl with uh, blue skin and tattered clothes standing out in the cold. And she asks Static for some change, but, you know, he just blows her off as some random homeless person, saying it's not a good time. And he flies off. Now, at this point, the girl goes into, you know, a soliloquy, really, of, of, with herself repeating every, you know, what Static just said to her. She's clearly got some issues. And the next day, Richie says uh, that he called a councilman and set up Static to light a giant tree at a Christmas ceremony said he was Static's, uh, what what was it, his publicist or something? Mm -hmm, Yeah. Later, Static goes out with Daisy for some Christmas shopping, and he sees the girl from the night before, and he notices that everywhere she walks, she's leaving a trail of ice around her. So he ditches Daisy, and uh, we next see the girl wandering into a jewelry store, but the shopkeeper just tries to push her out the door, saying she doesn't belong there. And when he touches her, his hand freezes over. Everyone panics, and she goes into another mental breakdown, causing ice and snow to fly everywhere. So Static shows up trying to stop her, but you know she proves way too out of control for him to stop. So she ends up hiding in a store, and she sees a mother protecting her daughter, and she flashes, we have a flashback to her childhood, uh, where her sick mother was clearly being mistreated and abandoned by her second husband. And eventually her mother died, and she and uh, the little girl was forced into uh, protective services or child services, whatever it was called there. Um, she freaks out again, and she just disappears. And later, Richie and Virgil are they're working a function for the church and the community center. And Virgil gets a you know he gets a speech from the priest and Robert about you know the homeless in this country. He freaks out when he realizes he's going to be late for Daisy's Kwanzaa party. So Richie ends up calling him at his house to inform him that the freaky girl has uh, frozen over the entire highway for miles, and he's stuck out there. So Virgil jumps into action, and he confronts her, and he we find out her bang baby name is Permafrost. And she ends up eluding him again, but uh, he finds her her uh, home in, uh, I guess it's a, what was it, like a sewer tunnel, I think? Uh, it, was, it was an abandoned subway station, I think. Okay. Yeah, and... In her little wing of this place, uh, it's completely frozen over in ice, and uh, he finds a picture of her mother and her with the picture cut in half down the middle. Clearly, her stepfather was on the other side of the picture. Um, and he finds out her name with this photo, and he goes to the priest, and, and he knows who uh, the little girl from a community outreach program a few years ago. So he gives Static some words of advice, and he flies off to do his tree ceremony thing. But as he's about to light it, Permafrost shows up and unleashes a torrent of ice everywhere. Static tries to reason with her, but she knows that he has the photo, and she demands it back. And he you know, he readily gives it to her, and he gets her to calm down by sympathizing her. 
uh, with in the fact that they've both lost their mothers and he knows exactly the pain she's feeling. And Static ends up taking her back to the church and she accepts their help. And the episode ends with the priest giving a sermon about helping the needy no matter what religion you follow. So what are you thinking about this one? This one was a little preachy with the homeless stuff. No pun intended with there being the preacher. Yes, it was. <laughs> no, it really wasn't. But I, I thought it was a good episode. It got the message oh, yeah. across. Oh, that so was, I, love, I love this one. Yeah, because there's one point where the preacher says, you know, don't see her as uh, something like a statistic or a category or something like that, as the homeless. See her as, uh, what was her name again? Permafrost? No, no her real name. Oh. Oh, oh, God. Started with an M, I think. Uh, Megan? Morgan? No. Whatever it was. Whatever it was. I'll find out. Um, You know, he he says, see her as her, as a person. And that's when Virgil turns around and makes that connection with her later on, that they've both lost their mothers. Um, You know, kind of showing the younger viewing audience that... You know, we, we, you know, you should be sympathetic towards these people. You know, maybe they did get themselves into some trouble and got themselves on the street. Um, but still, they do lead a sad life and we should help them out. That's the message they were trying to get across, you know, and again, comes off a little preachy, but it's, it's still done well. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I was really digging this episode. Um, I love, 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 love the design of Permafrost. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, when all is said and done, I think Hinden Walsh uh, is going to end up being in my top five voice actors in all of the DCAU. Now, why is that? Because something I noticed is, and for those of you that don't know, she's, she plays Starfire. Like, this voice was pretty much Starfire's voice. And I'm like, it really wasn't that different. I mean, Starfire's uh, way of speaking is much more alien, much more stilted. But it was still the same voice. There was no fluctuation in it. So why would you put her in the top ten there? Well, I, I'm going to draw a parallel here. One of my favorite voice actors is Stephen Bloom, mm-hmm. who does you know the voice of Wolverine in the new uh, Wolverine in the X Men cartoon, and of course Spike Spiegel and Cowboy Bebop and uh, Ikichi Onizuka and Great Teacher Onizuka. He doesn't really have a great range, but he's still he's still widely accepted as one of the greatest voice actors out there. That's kind of the same vein here. I just, I think, you know, I mean, Hinden Walsh also does the voice of Ace um, in, in the Royal Flesh Gang. And, you know, I just, I really love her voice. I think it's, it's, uh, it's just a great, you know, I, I wish I could think of a, an adjective to use here, but I really just can't. Um, I think, I mean, I think the line that I, lo- I love the most uh, that Permafrost says here is, uh, it, it, the one she uses to deliver her name, where she's like, the voices in the dark, they call me something, permafrost. And, you know, pardon the expression, it was rather chilling, I think. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I um, really was trying not to go for a pun there. It was sure, just going to happen. Sure. I swear, 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 <laughs> I was not trying to do that. No, I'll agree with what you're saying there. I hadn't thought of it that way before, but you are right. You know, I think she doesn't change her voice up enough from character to character, or at least the two characters I've seen her do. But at the same time, there's always a lot of emotion in her voice. Um, we know that having seen Starfire. There's always a lot of joy or a lot of sadness in there. And here with Permafrost, um, from pretty much the first moment you see her, you're sympathizing with her. Not because of her design, not because of anything else, but the voice. 
because of what the actress brings to it. So, okay, voice-wise it doesn't differ, but acting-wise it's still very strong. Yep. Okay, I know I said I was digging this episode, but yeah. Um, why was Richie suddenly like, oh no, this must be a job for Static to go figure <laughs> yeah. out. I mean, good God, the power went out, and it was like, and when it was snowing outside like crazy. Yeah. Oh no, let's call the National Guard. This has never happened before. If I was static, I would have been like, dude, I want to eat some fucking dumplings. Leave me alone. I just would have <laughs> smacked him on the back of the head and be like, shut the fuck up. I'll check it out later. I'm hungry. <laughs> yeah, it was it was terrible. Terrible. <laughs> um, I mean, I do know in the past we've seen that Richie's very gung-ho about the superhero lifestyle, more than static is, truly. Um, he seems to suspect everything is a superhero related event but this was really pushing it pushing it hard because as you said it's there was there was snow power goes out in the snow all the time all the time i mean let me put it to you this way people james lives in atlanta it doesn't snow in atlanta does it i don't think so yeah well what do you you get a quarter inch a, a year what do you get? Yeah, if that. Okay. If that. But anyways, someone in Atlanta where it snows a quarter inch a year <laughs> knows that if that power goes out during the snow, then Richie, who's living in a city where it snows, well, at least regularly in the winter, should know better and not suspect anything of it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, I think if since we've always talked in the past about how we place certain cities and their parallels to like the real world mm-hmm. um I, i'm thinking dakota's philadelphia that's i'm just throwing that out there why do you think that what made you think that i don't know i mean because i it we've they say it's an east an east coast city uh-huh. and if, if we're gonna say that you know i'm just th- again throwing this out there if we're gonna say that gotham is like new jersey uh-huh. and we're saying that you know metropolis is new york city you know the next biggest city on the list is philadelphia on the eastern the eastern coast there, so just throwing it out there. I can see that. I can see that. Anyway, no worries. No worries. <laughs> Tan- tangent aside. <laughs> uh, okay, th- there was something that was really bothering me with this one. Why? Why? Why w- did they keep hiding the stepfather's identity? I don't know. Every right, time but... we saw him, his face was in shadow. That part I got because they were trying to make him look menacing because it was in the flashback sequence when uh, Permafrost or whatever her real name is was like five years old or whatever, you know? Right. But then later on when she's carrying the picture around, it's torn. Now, granted, she doesn't want the guy in her life. You know, I'm wondering if that's supposed to imply he was abusive. Maybe not sexually abusive, but physically abusive. I think that's I think supposed to be that's, I, I got that from him, that he was a, it was like a drunk. Who right. But why hide his face? It's like they were going out of their way to get to some big reveal where the preacher was the stepfather all along. <laughs> but n- nothing like that came out of the blue. I'm glad nothing like that came out of the blue. It was just one of those weird things where I thought the character was going to come back. And it was um, going to be a shock. I don't know. I maybe maybe they were going for something along the lines of you know uh, permafrost. She doesn't want uh, you know she doesn't want to remember his face, mm. so she in her memories she just sees it as a blank, just a, a just a shadow. I don't know. I'm just no, throwing that out. There. I, I like that idea because remember when uh, Static calls her by her real name, she she has to think about it for a second. She's like, you know my name. And you could see it's coming back to her. She she's kind of accepted the name Permafrost as her own. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I, I can completely buy what you're saying there. That okay, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Um, now, speaking of the stepfather, 
something I really didn't understand is why he didn't get custody of her. All of a sudden, you know, the, the mother dies because she was ill, and the social worker shows up and is like, okay, you're coming with me. I believe she would go to the stepfather's custody. I think that's how it works. I don't know. I didn't. I'm like 99% sure they said that he just ran off. Oh, did they say that? Yeah, I'm. I'm almost positive they said oh. something about him abandoning them. Oh, okay. Well, then there you go. There you go. Then I'll completely forget it. You know. Okay. Th- that was something that kind of bothered me. Um, I'm, now- I'm going to go back and check that because I just want to. I have to be sure about that. But I'm almost positive they did. Okay. Now, speaking of the social worker, was it just me or did she sort of look like Baby Doll's kung fu assistant? <laughs> just a little older. Thinking, actually, I was thinking about Van Dorn. Van- oh yeah, yeah. You're right. It was Van Dorn. <laughs> <laughs> but those two both you know van dorn and um oh god what was her name uh they both have very very similar character designs so either way i think we're both right here what was her name the the assistant's name she started Shit. with an started with an m yeah uh, i don't know mm, someone someone write in and let us know somebody's screaming at us you know yeah, they are exactly um did static make a superman joke at one point when he picked up daisy in the mall and he's carrying around, and he's like, Lois, isn't it? And she's like, no, Daisy. That's a Superman joke. Oh, yeah. It had to be. Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. And, and while we're talking about Daisy, like, in the beginning of this episode, the very first note I wrote down is, who's this new girl, the, the Jewish one, that, that static, uh, the, the, static was at the Hanukkah party? I'm like, who is this girl, and where'd Daisy go? Because we haven't seen her in quite a while. And then all of a sudden, Daisy popped up. I'm like, okay, good, there she is. But where did she go, Daisy? They introduced her in their first season, and is this the first time we've seen her in the second season? I don't think so. I think we saw her last in our last WFP episode. Did we? Okay, I I, I don't know. She she's disappeared from me, but so she's been around. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know the the who the first girl was, right? That was Frida. And who is that? Remember, she was the one. She was the first uh, girl. Uh, the very first episode of Static Shock, who Virgil kind of had the hots for. Hmm. Long, no, long, brunette, long brunette hair. I can't. I did not know she was Jewish, though. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. No, I actually thought it was going to be like Richie's Hanukkah party. I kind of suspected he was Jewish, but then, yeah, that ends up being this Frida character. I was like, oh, okay. That was a pretty badass final fight scene between Static and Permafrost, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. That was. There's some great animation in this episode. Oh yeah, I mean just the, the the ice spikes coming down, the whole fight scene in the mall, and I love how he got out of it where he melted the center of the ice column, yeah. and then yeah. he makes an elevator door at the bottom. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and then just everything all around. The action was really solid. In fact, I'm, I'm looking at my notes. I'm going to bump my grade up at least one point. I'm changing it right now. Now, did you happen to notice the big uh, design flub at the end of the episode, though? When Permafrost was sitting in the preacher's office. Maybe. I I, I don't know. What, what was it? Okay, throughout the bulk of the episode, her skin was blue and her hair was white. But when she's sitting in the preacher's office, her hair is gray, almost ash, and her skin is white. Not Caucasian white, but white white. Yeah, I did notice that, actually. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, you could chalk it up to saying, oh, when she's not using her power, her skin changes. When she's not upset, her skin changes. When she's indoors and a little warmer, her skin changes. But it came out of the blue and wasn't explained, and that kind of bothered me. I was like, where did this come from? I liked her being blue on white. 
just like I'm on a whole new level now. I never dreamed I could have this much power. Gotta be those sunspots. Well, Mr. McGill did say they can affect electricity and magnetism. But whatever it is, Static's really the man now. Whoa! Rich, that was an accident. I'm sorry. It they got to be used to things like this by now. Next up is sunspots. In this one, there are sunspots that are going on, and uh, because they affect uh, electromagnetism, they affect Virgil's powers. Uh, at first, his powers get extremely ramped up to the point where he can't even be in a room with metal because, like, silverware literally starts dancing in front of him. And then his powers uh, end up just completely going away to the point where he can kind of live a normal life and he doesn't have to be static. Well, um, as this is going on, um, F-stop, burnout, uh, what, what's his name? Uh, what is his name? I can't remember. Hot Streak, that's it, yeah. Hot Streak has, for some inexplicable reason, returned to the high school, and he's all like, no, I'm reformed, man. Well, two seconds later, we see him beating up some kid for his lunch money. Uh, there's not much uh, Virgil can do about it because at this point he doesn't have his powers. Um, well, uh, whatever the hell his name is, ends up going on a freaking rampage and Static has to find a way to stop him without his powers. Uh, so he tries to use those uh, little grenades Richie had invented some episodes back. Um, when they run out of those, um, how does Static end up stopping him? I don't even remember. They... Oh, he and Richie go up to the rooftop. There right, the and he, he uses the fan as a conductor or something, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and thus giving himself... It, 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 but again, it's contradictory because he says he can't even hold a charge, implying that he tried to grab like some wires elsewhere and pick up a charge. Have we seen him do to recharge himself? Well, that's exactly what he's doing here with the turbine, making a turbine out of the fan, but he's still creating a church so it, it, it they set up one they, they give you this set of rules and then they changed it it was really bad but uh regardless he then uh gets his powers and he uses it to blast a uh, water tower because there's always the conveniently placed water tower and uh it it hits uh fire guy in the face knocks him out <laughs> and i can't remember his name um hot streak there we go <laughs> and knocks him out and uh then inexplicably the episode ends with static flying through the air because woohoo my powers are back because apparently the sunspots are gone uh and there's a subplot involving static trying to get close to daisy as they're trying to study for various tests uh but of course he can't because he's got to do static stuff but then he can because he's not static anymore but then he can't because he's static again so she gets pissed and uh, Static is left to just kind of shrug his shoulders and go, oh, well, and walk away. So there we go. What do you want to say about this one? This might be the most linear episode we have ever, <laughs> ever, ever reviewed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, I mean, really, what can you say about this episode? There's no depth to it at all. No, none. <laughs> I mean, it is utterly one-dimensional. Um, I mean, you have a... You, you have a pretty damn good idea from the start of this episode what's going to happen here. You know his powers are going to be all fucked up in all kinds of different ways. And when, and then when Francis arrives, you know it's just going to be a brawl. That's that's all it is. And speaking of you know Francis F stop flamey flame, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand how they could just let this guy go free so soon after he terrorized the city like he did. Yeah, I mean yeah. maybe maybe if they had somehow taken his powers away from him. 
or something like that, I could ex- I maybe could accept it, but as it is, not a chance. Yeah. Not a f- chance. But then again, this is the DCAU we're talking about here, so right. what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. See, the sad thing is, I've already mentioned all but one of my notes. Uh, I already mentioned earlier how uh, I hate the music throughout the whole second season of Static, and that's one of my notes. I already mentioned the whole papers and books getting stuck to them and that, that not making sense. I only have one more note after that, okay? And I'm hoping, I'm really hoping you picked up on this, James, okay? Um, how, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. At one point, when Static's powers are going super haywire, he, like, apparently rockets himself or something, like, halfway across the country. So what does he do but hitches a ride on top of a jet, on top of a commercial airliner? While his powers are going crazy, he's going to risk hanging onto an airplane? If he short circuits right then and there, that plane's going down. Is Static that dumb that he would actually try something like that? That wasn't a moment um, when his powers weren't working. That's when his powers were going crazy. I, at the time, I didn't really pick up on that, but you're absolutely right. But he keeps he keeps up the, the stupidity by venting his powers over the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. This is... This is like when Superman was a huge douchebag in that one episode. What was it? Oh, it was uh, Jaxor and Mala. <laughs> Blast from the past, where we were talking about how fucking stupid Superman was. Oh, I didn't know they were this power hungry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is Static Shock's Blast from the Past. <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, I didn't understand why he had to go, okay, fine, if he wants to do it over the water, that's fine, because he has to find an area where people can't get hurt. But why does he, he goes like several miles out now. From sure. Like, come on, man. Are you that stupid? Now, as as many flaws as this episode has, I have to say the animation in this episode was amazing. It was great. Really, I wasn't Um, really picking up on that. What was what was so good about that? I think it was just because they had they had to have him. His powers are all supercharged and all fucking crazy. It, It just looked better to me. I think. Okay, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying I just didn't pick up on it. That's all. Honestly, I don't think it was as good as the last episode, but it was really, really good, regardless. I did like how they addressed that uh, f stops f stops power uh, wasn't going haywire because Static's like, hey, maybe he's powerless too, and then he's like, duh, he doesn't have electromagnetic powers. I thought that was good because it was a part of me that's like, yeah, I wonder if his powers are going to be ramped up, and then when Static said. Oh, he's got flame powers, not electromagnetic ones. I I even was like, duh, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) I need to talk about why we stopped you. What I'm about to tell you is not for broadcast, okay? You know what the Big Bang is, right? I heard about it, yeah. Well, two kids about your age stole a metal case which contains the Big Bang formula in a highly concentrated liquid. The case was being delivered to scientists for study. I've got 24 hours to find it. That's 3 o'clock tomorrow. What happens if you don't find it? It's combustible. The liquid will turn into gas. More bang babies? Double the mutations, at least. Whoa. Virgil, if there's anything you know, anything at all. Wait a sec. You still think I had something to do with this? You were in that part of town. You fit the description. I told you I'm innocent. I had nothing to do with it. Why won't you believe me? You ran away from me, Virgil. What am I supposed to think? Can I go now? If you want. Just take my card. 
I insist. And lastly up today is Pop's Girlfriend. In this one, we see two punks uh, sneaking aboard a subway train. Well, not really sneaking aboard. They hop a turnstile. But um, they end up stealing a briefcase that was handcuffed to this guy's arm. You know, he unlatched it for a moment because he's, he's fat and he had to catch his breath or something. <laughs> um, the next day, Virgil is talking with Richie at school about Robert's new girlfriend when one of the very same punks named Royce starts a fight with Virgil. Have you noticed how many people just randomly start fights with Virgil for no reason at all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, later we see these guys, uh, these two punks in an alley looking inside the case, and it looks to be three vials of the Bang Baby mutagen. And nearby, Virgil takes off his static gear because he just got done with his patrol, and he puts it in his backpack when uh, two cops who are patrolling the area confront him. And they want to look in his backpack because, I mean, to see if he has a stolen briefcase, I assume, and... He uh, ends up distracting them, and he runs away. Well, later at home, Robert makes Virgil clean his room to prepare for his new girlfriend's arrival at the house. And, of course, Virgil just static shocks everything into a big pile in his closet. And um, when the woman arrives, it turns out to be the exact same police officer whom Virgil ran into earlier. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it's revealed her name is uh, Trina Jessup. And... Robert proceeds to ream Virgil a new one uh, about running from the police and whatnot, and he demands to see his backpack. Well, when Robert opens the closet, the pile of stuff falls over him, and at this point, his blood pressure is probably at atomic levels. So he leaves to cool off, and he grounds Virgil indefinitely. Well, at school the next day, Royce and his pal Frankie uh, stash the vials in a locker, and he tells Frankie to study it after school. Um... Officer Jessup uh, ends up picking up Virgil, uh, walking home from school, and takes him to a diner to tell him about the briefcase and why she, uh, she thinks he's keeping a, a secret from him. Not necessarily that he's involved in this, but that he has some kind of secret that uh, he's keeping from her. Um, so Virgil storms off in frustration because, you know, she won't believe that he has nothing to do with the briefcase bullshit. Um, and meanwhile, Royce and Frankie are at the school and they end up playing around with the the mutagen and they leave some uh i guess some drops of it on a piece of paper and they throw it into a trash can and uh this causes some insects that are crawling around in the trash can to mutate into these gigantic creatures that start ripping the school apart and in the meantime officer jessup more or less breaks up with robert because she hasn't gotten off on the right foot with either virgil or sharon and she doesn't want to be responsible for coming between robert and his kids so at this point, Richie calls Virgil to tell him about the insects uh, that are tearing up the school, and somehow Virgil sneaks off to become static, and he stops them. And Virgil says that he needs to find the purple juice and fast, because Trina told him earlier that in less than 24 hours, the vial's contents are going to vaporize, and there will be a massive mutant problem on Dakota's hands. Isn't there already one? <laughs> um, anyway... In uh, the most tensely silent dinner ever, Robert ends up yelling at his kids about how no one will replace their mother, but he has a life and he intends to live it. I need to get laid, damn it! Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> now, at some point in all this, Royce smelled the vapors from the vial, and he's become super strong. And he ditches Frankie, but later in a class, he starts mutating into yet another hideous purple monstrosity, as if this show didn't have enough of those. Um, and Virgil pulls the fire alarm to get everyone out of the building. So he then calls Trina to tell her that the uh, juice, as they've been calling it, is somewhere on the school grounds. And he puts the, the static costume on, and he finds the gas leaking out of a locker. 
and he proceeds to hurl the locker into outer space and blow it up. No, I did not just make that up. <laughs> now, tired from his ridiculous exploit, uh, he, he hovers back to the school, and he finds the mutant formerly known as Royce freaking out in the theater. Uh, Trina and her partner enter the uh, theater, and Trina and Static end up saving each other, and Static ends up trapping Royce in the arms of a statue outside the, in the schoolyard. No, I did not just make that up either. Uh, Trina, her partner, and Virgil end up getting awards for their parts in uh, saving the school and helping get the kids out. And Rena, uh, Rena, Robert and <laughs> Trina end up getting back together, and Robert still keeps Virgil grounded for some reason. Okay, you ranted before about the Shaquille O'Neal episode, right? Uh-huh. Allow me, okay? Here we please, go. Please, please do. Okay, the top three reasons why this episode fails miserably, okay? If I had a drum roll, I would do a drum roll right here. Number three. <laughs> Number three. These, these two goofball goons, they steal this briefcase, and instead of checking it, they go to school, wait until after school to find out what the contents are. So these delinquents that, that hop a turnstile, steal some top secret briefcase, decide, you know what, let's still go to school, chum! And what, they forget about the briefcase all day? Bullshit, okay? <laughs> Number two, why this episode fails epically. The cops racially profiled Virgil. Yep. Okay, oh, he fits the description. I mean, they flat out said that, that oh, he has a backpack. He's not fat like the leader of this goon squad, nor does he have the short hair of the other kid in the squad. He's a slender, dark-skinned kid with dreads. So what if he's got a fucking backpack and he's coming out of the alley? No, they racially fucking profiled him, and they never come back to it. Had they come back to it, it wouldn't be a fail. It would be a point towards it, because this show has... We've mentioned it before. This show doesn't shy away from stuff like that. They did the the, the gun thing, the gang thing. Okay, the, 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 the drug episode was really bad with Richie. That, that was bad, because it wasn't a drug episode, but it was. But for the most part, they don't shy away from this stuff. But they racially profile him, and they don't come back to it. Okay, so that's the number two reason. The number one reason why this episode just fails massively <laughs> the girlfriend is not rubber band man <laughs> uh, oh no <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> oh my god <laughs> seriously here here's something else you need to to think about virgil got an award for pulling a fire alarm <laughs> i find this yeah. amusing yeah um <laughs> And seriously, the exact same police officer? I know about suspension of disbelief and all that good stuff, but come on! How, how fucking big is the Dakota police force? <laughs> I'm willing to bet there's thousands of police officers on their payroll. Yeah. Give me a fucking break. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've said it before, stories are, of course, driven by coincidence, but that is a big coincidence. You know, way too big. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what else to say about this one. I don't. I just, this episode is terrible. Yeah, I mean, okay, okay, like, there's that dinner scene where Pops is getting all upset with his kids. Well, one, why is he getting upset with Virgil? Okay, yeah, Virgil ran away from the cops. That's not a good thing to do, ever. And, you know, he thought he raised his son better. So, okay, that makes sense. But at the same time, 
they still profiled him. So Virgil is in the wrong, but not totally. So he should be mad at his girlfriend more than he is his son. Two, he gets on his daughter's case for being bitchy towards the girlfriend. When did, she, she just kind of ignored her and brushed her off. She wasn't really bitchy towards her. And even if she was bitchy towards her, she was only bitchy towards her, if I recall, after it came out that she was the cop that had profiled her brother. You know what I'm saying? So again, why is he snapping at his kids? It's it's the it's the cop's fault. It's absolutely the cop's fault. All of this stuff. Um, seriously, Virgil just launched a locker into <laughs> outer space, and he somehow blew it up. There yeah. was no explanation as to how it just exploded. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's like something out of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I will say. <laughs> I will say I like how he contained the gas. You know, how he got yeah. rid of it, notwithstanding, wrap, con- wrapping it in just locker after locker after locker was kind of neat. Um, I like when they show, I've said this before, I like when they show heroes using their powers in new ways. And they're pretty much always doing that with static. And this was another example of that. Whipping it into space, something different. Okay, we can't give them credit for that. But the locker thing we can. But how did he use his powers to move the arms of what I assume is a stone statue? And even if it's like a bronze statue or something, he just ruined it. Even if he tries to put the arms back in place, they're fucked up. Yep. I mean, once you once you bend metal after it's been uh, you know warped and everything, yeah. it's it's never. I mean, you've compromised its structure, right. structural integrity. Yeah. It's never going to go back to the way it was. No. I mean, I've, I've I've worked in a warehouse long enough to see that when forklifts hit a metal beam. They're fucked up for the, for until you replace them. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I do have to ask this, though. At the end of the episode, it's pretty clear that uh, Officer Girlfriend knows that Virgil is static, right? <laughs> that was great. I, it was like um, Venture Brothers. <laughs> Officer oh, Girlfriend. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. I forgot about that show. Dr. Yeah. Girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but yes, I was going to ask that, so did Trina figure it out? I figured, yeah. Yeah, she did. Because she, she's not a detective, but you can tell, even though she's racially profiling, she's still a good cop. At, at, at the core, she's still supposed to be a good, bright, upwardly, upwardly mobile cop. And so I like the fact that she kind of gives this look like, I know what's going on. Okay, okay. I understand why you, I understand why you ran now. So, okay. I just want to make sure. I wasn't reading into that, that that was supposed to be there. Is there anything else to say about this one? Uh, I don't think so, okay. unless you want to rant some more. No, no, I'm done. I'm done. Do you want to score these, then? Yeah. Okay, brother-sister act. I'll give that a five. I will give that a six. Static shack. Two. <laughs> five. <laughs> no, I insist. Two. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Frozen out. What are you going to give this one? I'll give that one a seven. Yeah, I initially wrote down a six, but I bumped it up to a seven as we were speaking about it. Sunspots. Um, four? Yeah, I'm right there with you, including the question mark. And Pop's Girlfriend. Three. I didn't even write a score down for this one. Um, yeah, I'll give it a three as well. I can't disagree with that. Look, can we just talk for a sec? No! Give it back! It's mine! Give what back? Is this about that photo? Hey, you can have it back. Come on, Maureen, chill out. 
You... you know my name? I found out from some people. People who care about you. Nobody cares about me! Whoa, come on, slow down! I care! I want to help you! I know what you've gone through. How could you know? Because I lost my mom, too. I know how hard it is. How the pain never really goes away. Is that why you did what you did at the mall and the power station? Those families, all happy and warm in their homes. They have no idea how it is out here. When you're homeless, people look right through you. It's like you're not even there. Yeah, I've been guilty of that. I thought when I got these powers, things would get better for me. They didn't. <laughs> I'm more alone now than ever. <laughs> Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes of Static Shock. Those being Bad Stretch, Attack of the Living Brain Puppets, Duped, Jimmy, and Hard as Nails. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sim saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 